welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher, and I'm here with Tom. Tom, how the heck have you been? Oh, I'm just crazy awesome. We're into August already, and um, for what I do, this is hell month. Cause oh, yeah, I guess so. You're getting ready for back to school, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, so try working at a university uh, that is putting up a new building and... Still got to get everything else in order. That it's pretty crazy right now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, I just um, talking about August. I mean, we start August. August came in hard. <laughs> I just took a. I had a week off where my son and I we went and did some hiking and some geocaching and stuff. And of course, we picked the week that it is like ninety degrees every day and ninety percent humidity. It was. It was pretty thick on most days. Uh, it was a little rough. I mean, a few places we went and hiked, it was a little better, especially because you're in the woods, mm-hmm. so you're a little cooler, but that doesn't stop the humidity. No. <laughs> so we were soaked by the time we got done with most of our hikes and everything, but uh, still it was a good time, and uh, I wasn't working, so... <laughs> there is that. It was, a nice, it was a nice break. I don't know about you, but I always find, uh, at least in my role right now, A vacation is never entirely a vacation because I have to worry about all the stuff that piled up while I was Mm. gone. (laughs) No, fortunately, uh, I did not have to deal with anything like that this time. I do know that feeling. Yeah, there are times where you take a day off and you think, why bother? Because it's just going to be twice as much work when I get back. Um, This time, I, I think I just hit it. I hit it just right where the office wasn't all that busy so there wasn't like this big backlog or anything it started to quiet down and so i took my time off and came back and everything's kind of chill and like good nice i like this (laughs) yeah definitely looking forward to october that's when things kind of go into uh neutral everything settles down everything's done and now then you just have to run and put out any fires that might prop up but otherwise you're just on standby basically that's it we can just dig into the soft easy stuff of oh you need a new computer all right we can take care of that so yeah good uh tv movie wise did you watch the new grand tour episode oh yeah absolutely um and i don't know about you but when i i was watching it um just launched into like straight classic top gear adventure it had the top gear vibe to it didn't it it was more top gear than any of the grand tours i've seen yeah uh it felt like an episode of like it was a previously unreleased 
Top Gear, and they just rebranded it is what it felt like. Right, because, uh, I mean, well, it had all the telltale markings. They're they're in their backyard, basically. I mean, they, they stayed in Scotland for obviously reasons. Obvious. Right, they had to they had to stay on the on the British Isle there because they couldn't travel anywhere else. No, but I mean they they did all of those typical telltale um, uh, Top Gear things where like they they drive their cars for a while and then they get and they do a little task where they have either a little race or they right. Yeah. It, it just hit on everything that was kind of classic, and and I was kind of like, okay, this it, it's it was like putting on a a, a comfortable shoe or a, a nice blanket, <laughs> like ah, oh, that's kind of nice. <laughs> Although I will say, I was watching them, and I'm looking at the three guys, and I started thinking. They're starting to really look old. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, like, as they're even trying to do anything, uh, especially playing any kind of gags on uh, on May, mm-hmm. uh, like, like, wow, he's really old. Yeah, there's just I just noticed that there's a few you know close-ups with their faces, and it's like. Wow, just around the the wrinkles and things. What's really sad is they're not all that much older than we are. <laughs> I guess they've lived their little lives a little harder than we have. I, I, I guess so. Actually, uh, having finished also the uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson's uh, farm. Oh right. Um, having reason to finish that and the episode where. England is going into lockdown and and he is busy explaining I've like smoked four gajillion cigarettes uh, <laughs> I've had pneumonia pneumonia my lungs are scarred <laughs> right and he's pushing 60 right only 60 yeah yeah no <laughs> I would have really thought he and I are in the same decade what excuse me <laughs> <laughs> that's a little harder to swallow isn't it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really noticed it with um, with Hammond, mm-hmm. and who, who I always th- thought it was kind of like the younger of the group. And it's like, wow, he's starting to look old. He always, <laughs> but he kind of reminded me of the Davy Jones of their group, <laughs> including <yeah>. the hair. <laughs> yeah, but it was um, it was still a fun little episode. It was nice seeing the three of them together and you know, up to their old shenanigans and stuff. It was good. It was fine. I don't know if it was worth, you know, waiting, what, like a year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, 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 that was the 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 other side of the blade on that one. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, this is super comfortable. And I'm like, but what took so long to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah, because I've been going back and watching some of the older Top Gear episodes that are available on Prime. Yes. And so it just kind of felt like, well... I've been waiting a year for what what I feel like I could have just tuned in and watched any time. <laughs> no, it's actually funny you pointed that out. I've been doing the exact same thing. <laughs> I just got done watching the one with Jeff, the the electric car that they tried to build. The, oh the right, yeah, I like watched that one. Out of tin foil. <laughs> yeah, I think I skipped this that one on this time through because I had watched that one not all that long ago. <laughs> Have you been watching anything else of, of, of note or interest in what we just mentioned? Oh, yeah. Um, since uh, I had my son with me last week while you were busy uh, s- sweating, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Um, we were being a little more cushy. Uh, when we had time, we both uh, devoured the new Netflix uh, version of Masters of the Universe. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Revelations. Uh, and then uh, we followed that up quickly when it came out with the uh, Transformers Kingdom. What do you think of these two? Uh, the funny part is listening to all the other stuff that's out there in the world. Um, I actually w- didn't watch a whole lot of He-Man when it first came out. Because, let- let's face it, let's all be real. He-Man was ridiculous. <laughs> I've yes. tried to go back and rewatch some of those episodes, and they are virtually unwatchable. Uh, that was an old filmation, wasn't yes. it? Yes. And they are terrible. They're just so awful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to watch a, a guy guy with a sword and all that, um, run around chasing a guy with a skull for a head, then, sure, it's good fun. Um, I thought this did a nice job where it essentially acknowledges that that was its past. They're, they're not saying mm-hmm. that didn't ever happen. That it, it, it's, it was a continuation. It, it's essentially a continuation. They're not going to get into every, every blow that was dealt, every car- uh, story arc that might have occurred, assuming it mm-hmm. had story arcs. I don't actually recall that being the case. I don't believe so. No, but it decided to take that. Um, It did make a few nice corrections, like Prince Adam does look different than (laughs) He-Man. Good. So, I mean, it wasn't like Prince Adam doesn't rip off his shirt and there you go, there's (laughs) He-Man. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it's not even a, it's not even Clark Kent and Superman. You know, difference of the glasses. I'm thinking if anyone sees Prince Adam at the pool, hey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In this case, he has to go through an actual, honest to god transformation that occurs when he recites the words when he raises the sword. So. Gotcha. Um, without doing too much spoiler. Uh, to which a great deal of the community out there that wanted to see a He-Man show when they did, they it is declared it is Masters of the Universe. It is not He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. So in it, without spoiling too much, He-Man is not in this a great deal. So it's what I've been reading. This is a different story, and I was stunned at uh, the the take that. It, that it went because when the character Tila discovers the secret all along and there's a reason she discovers it so I won't spoil that part but when she discovers that Adam was He-Man instead of just going oh okay she takes the different approach of everybody in my life has lied to me for years oh, of course everyone that Everyone that knew, yeah. Everybody that knew, everybody, basically everybody in her life that she trusted implicitly, and in this case mm-hmm. with her very life, um, has been lying to her, and that didn't sit well. And that's the thrust of the uh, the show from there, aside from the uh, 
the magic and mysticism parts that launch you into uh, what's happening in the storyline. A big part of this is about the implications of hiding things from those that you deem worthy in your life. So That's interesting. That, that's been a um, main theme on the previous season of Supergirl. Oh, yeah? On CW. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The hiding the... the uh, the secret identity and all that exactly and that when people find out it's not oh my gosh isn't that wonderful it's like what the hell i've known you for how long and you know you're now just telling me this and right yeah no yeah so they're they've gotten a it, it's still a kid's cartoon in every way as so the dialogue and all that is fairly simple and all that mm-hmm. but i actually enjoyed that they they kind of beefed it up a bit on the whole, let's be real about what would actually happen in a circumstance like this. So, Yeah, cool. Um, and it had interesting character development and the idea that uh, there isn't necessarily a solid good versus evil. There are shades of gray in everybody. Interesting. And so knowing that you're a big Transformers yeah. fan, what did you think of the new Transformers series? That one was a total, uh, that's just a drool and geek fest kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> because does it, yeah, does it, does the quality matter? It's just cause there's Transformers. You're happy. Well, there's that, uh, the, granted, the quality <laughs> of the Transformers in this case is, it, it is up there. I mean, it definitely outshines anything Michael Bay ever did, but <laughs> but I won't get into that rant. But in this case, I was always a giant fan of Generation 1 Transformers, as well when they got around to doing the Beast Wars characters and that story, I was a huge fan of that as well uh, because it lived in the world of the G1. It just, the future. Mm-hmm. They still acknowledge that in this season and found a way in the storyline that they've told to bring them together in the same time. And Interesting. And even though um, the War for Cybertron series is supposed to be uh, a trilogy, so you're supposed to have Siege, Earthrise, and then Kingdom, which is what this season is called, it totally opens the door to continue from here. Nice. So, yeah, no, it, it was a fun ride. Got to see characters that you would never have thought you would have seen all in the same place. All get to interact and fight with one another. And, uh, well, they're not, it's the best story ever. It still worked. It was a lot of fun. Excellent. Cool. I, on the other hand, have been watching nothing like any of that. <laughs> no, no, not usually. I don't uh, imagine. <laughs> no, no. I've been on a real kick of just um, kind of like detective movies here lately. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I mean, I started out watching the Thin Man films. Okay. With uh, William Powell and Myrna Loy, which is just, I always hear about. And, you know, my other podcast, Orphan Entertainment, uh, Lydia has brought up numerous times. And it's like, all right, I need to watch these films. So I finally started watching those films. So I've got, there's like um, five or six of the movies and I'm only through like, I've done like two or three of them now. They are a lot of fun, but that's kind of just got me into the kick to just watching like old detective movies. And so I watched as far as I'm, is in my memory anyway, the, my first Charlie Chan film. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't think I've ever, if, if I've seen one, it was, you know, on some afternoon on XIX and I just don't have any, it didn't really stick in my head and I didn't really know what I was watching. Yeah, I would have been too young to like really pay attention to what it was. Right. Uh, so I watched Charlie Chan's Secret, which was from 1936, and this was uh, with Warner Oland as uh, Charlie Chan. And with all these films, you do have to sort of accept the uh, yellow face. You know, you, you don't have Asian actors right. playing your your main Asian character. Swallow um, the rampant but, racism. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But I have to say that at least this film, it was a lot of fun. It, it was enough to make me think I'm gonna watch try to watch some other Charlie Chan films because that one was kind of fun I started watching another one last night and uh, I wasn't able to finish it I'm gonna try to finish it tonight or tomorrow oh, cool but and I also dug uh, or stumbled on a film series starring Boris Karloff called Mr. Wong Detective yeah another one of the yellow face things <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I should say it, it's just a, a the film I watched was Mr. Wong Detective, which is the first in the film of like six films I think he did as this uh, Mr. Wong character. And yes, Boris Karloff does not convince you at any point that he's an Asian. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think he'd pull he that is, off. <laughs> he is not a Chinese national, but you could tell that he was having a good time with it. And it was surprisingly kind of... You really had to follow along. It was not one of these really stupid, simple mysteries, which I just sort of expect from the 1930s or 1940s. This one was very twisted, and you had to pay attention. It had lots of red herrings, and, I mean, it was was fun. It was another fun film, and, yeah, I think I will probably watch a few more uh, Mr. Wong films as well. So not a Scooby adventure. No, definitely not a Scooby adventure. Yes. Yeah, it's not the, oh, it's the only other person that was in the movie. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, when, uh, credits are three people, and two, one of them's the, the star, the other one's the love interest. <laughs> right, exactly. So. And another film, and this is another one where I have been meaning to watch this for years just because it's Peter Falk. I finally watched The Cheap Detective. I I know I've seen that once, but after seeing that you watched that, I got to dig that up and watch it again. It not not just for Peter Falk, because Peter Falk's just fun no matter what. But the right. cast in... Oh, the cast in it is amazing. It is absolutely an amazing cast. Now, I having watched it, and uh, you know, it's a Neil Simon-written uh, film, I think I think it was 1976 was Murder by Death. Okay. Um, which is along the same line as The Cheap Detective. I think I prefer that film over The Cheap Detective, and the cast is almost identical. All different roles, but it's almost the same cast. But yeah, The Cheap Detective was still a lot of fun. And a lot of that was, I mean, Peter Falk is brilliant in it. And yeah, like like we were saying, the entire cast is just so much fun to watch. I mean, um, it has Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret, when she finally shows up, and of course she's like the uh, kind of a femme fatale, and she's the 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 young woman that's married the very old Sid Caesar. Right. 
and she looks incredible. I don't, I'm not sure what age she would have been when she made this film, but she's still, uh, she was just, ah, uh, and Margaret, you are one of the most beautiful women that has ever, yeah, I know. <laughs> ever been. Right, but yeah, no, I, I'm just pulling this up and, and just to rattle off a few. I mean, you, you've met Peter Falk and, and Anne Margaret. We've already mentioned Eileen Brennan, Sid Caesar, mm-hmm. Stockard Channing, Dom DeLuise, Louise Fletcher, Madeline Kahn. I, yeah, you can't. It's a yeah, it's an amazing yes. cast. God, Paul Williams. Um, <laughs> Abe Vigoda. <laughs> yeah, it's because I think Abe Vigoda was in there too. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Like I said, I prefer Murder by Death, but Cheap Detective was was a good time. Uh, there are definitely two films that you could do back to back. You could see them wrapped together, almost sort of like a, a sequel, not sequel, right. to each other. Doesn't matter which direction you watch them. <laughs> You watch Cheap Detective first and then Murder by Death or Murder by Death and Cheap Detective. Doesn't matter. They're definitely in the same family, though. Hey, Murder by Death's worth watching just based on the title. <laughs> oh, have you not seen Murder by Death? I, if I have, it's been forever. Alec Guinness is a blind butler. That doesn't strike any bells. <laughs> uh, Kind of, but again, like I said, I'd have been a kid when I had seen that, and I don't think I've seen it since. Well, that's one you should definitely uh, look up as well, and go ahead and watch that along with The Cheap Detective someday. Just make it a twofer. There you go. You'll have a good time. Faye Ray has the screaming doorbell. <laughs> oh, is that where the scream came from? Apparently so. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Uh, and since you're since you're on your little kick of uh, maybe you should squeeze uh, murder by death in again soon, because as we were talking about the the yellow face, uh, Peter Sellers makes an yes, yes. as an Asian man. I, I feel that that works okay for that film because he is doing a parody of like a Charlie Chan or Mr. Wong character, so. I feel like it's allowed. Yeah, ma- ma- <laughs> making fun of the fact that we have done this wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. No, I'll have to definitely check those out. That like that uh, sounds like a lot of fun. But yeah, that's all. That's all that I've been watching as far as TV and film and everything. I wanted to bring up um, this fall the Cincinnati Comic Expo, which you know we we are fans of. We've been going every year. Scheduled to happen this September, uh, the 17th through the 19th. If the world doesn't come to an end again, it is going to happen. They have started announcing some guests. Of course, they're going to have plenty of uh, comic guests and artists and everything. But as far as uh, you know, time shifters and the film guests, they've announced some pretty big names. And a couple, unfortunately, one has already had to cancel. Yeah. <laughs> Katie Sackhoff was going to come by, but due to some scheduling conflicts, she won't be able to and attend. I'll still go, even though. <laughs> yes. Well, you'll go because because still scheduled is Felicia Day. Love Felicia. Uh, they just announced Sam Witwer is going to attend. Uh, I knew him best from the uh, Being Human, the U.S. version of Being Human, uh, which I loved. That was a fantastic series. He also made a really like chilling turn as kind of a, a, a bad guy on a, a recent season of Supergirl. Oh, yeah? 
and he's done tons of voice work for the Star Wars video games. Not just the video games. Uh, apparently, he was Darth Maul in one of the series. Oh, in one of the animated? One of the animated series. All right, cool. The animated Darth Maul is totally the way to go over the one from the movie. <laughs> okay. And then also recently added to their list, and this one, I'll consider it... I don't know how I feel about this one. They've announced that John Barrowman is going to be there. Yeah. And he he's known far and wide as Captain Jack Harkness from Doctor Who, but he's also been on uh, Supernatural and uh, several other series and he everything. He was on but Arrow. He was the Black Arrow. Arrow. Sorry, I said Supernatural. I I don't think he was on Supernatural. Maybe he was. I don't know. Arrow, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was on one of those big series that everyone watches yes. or watched. Um, but he's come under some fire in this last year because of his um, shenanigans on set. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, he would often expose himself as a gag. Um, <sighs> it was always just, uh, as he called it, tomfoolery. Um, but, yeah, it's you know, it's still not something that you do. <laughs> Here, I'm just going to put this out as a, a blanket statement to all men out in the world. Nobody wants to see your junk. No, no, <laughs> your your wives and girlfriends barely want to see your junk. In, in, in those moments when they're okay with it, don't show it to anybody else ever. I, I don't even like looking at my own. <laughs> put it away. <laughs> so... so. So I'll admit to being a little torn because he, there is this sort of checkered past, but right. everything I've heard is that he makes an incredible convention guest. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, he is nothing but an absolute crazy fun guest. So might be neat to see it happen at Comic Expo, but I imagine most everyone else will kind of ignore what has transpired and just sort of, you know, forget and forgive. If you're there, you're there to see him. You're there to see him for what you know him in, not what he may or may not have done. <laughs> right. Yeah, I suppose. But that's just, uh, we're only in August. We still have a couple months to go before the actual uh, event. So, yeah, fingers crossed that it happens. And uh, I imagine they'll may indeed add a uh, name or two to that list as well. One can only hope. Uh, I highly encourage anyone that wants to look, uh, check out their Facebook page versus their actual website. That will, Facebook, uh, they keep up with more than the actual website for the place. Yeah, well, I'm sure the website will be updated pretty, will be updated at least within the, uh, the next couple of days. One would can hope. <laughs> That's all I wanted to mention with that. Uh, I do hope if your guys are, anyone's going to be in town and if you feel safe enough to do it, if the world, as I said, isn't in lockdown again, uh, come out and join us. Maybe just, uh, get your shots and mask up. There you go. And you can, you can enjoy the expo with, uh, some, uh, semblance of, uh, security. Work out your cosplay to incorporate the mask. Ooh, perfect idea. I like it. All right, then. Well, I think with that, we'll go ahead and take a break. We'll listen to a promo for another podcast. And we get back, we're going to talk about 1984's The Cave Dwellers. Oh. 
Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. Oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. It was a time long ago. A force was discovered so great it could destroy the universe. Then the evil of the Earth rose up with all their might to seize this force for their own. Nothing stood in their way except one man. The Blade Master. Yes, this is another of our MST3K Unrift episodes. We are looking at the what was known on MST as Cave Dwellers, which was their season three premiere in 1991, if I'm not mistaken, airing on, yep, June 1st. Ator is a fictional character created by Joe Diamato under the pseudonym David Hills. The character in the films were an attempt to take advantage of the success of the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan films. Diamato wrote and directed the first, second, and fourth film in the series. He completely disregards the third film, Iron Warrior, which was written and directed by Alfonso Brescia, which is only fitting since the third film completely disregards the first two, even going so far as to giving Ator a whole new origin and backstory. The first film premiered in 1982 is Ator the Invincible and was released in the U.S. as Ator the Fighting Eagle, and this was coincidentally also covered by Mystery Science Theater 3000 in its 12th and perhaps final season, which aired on Netflix in 2018. And it was also covered by Rift Tracks in 2017. Ator 2, The Invincible Orion, was released in 1984 and was released in the States as The Blade Master. And then a re-edited TV version was made years later and released as Cave Dwellers. This film takes place shortly after the adventures of the first film, but if you didn't see that one, no worries. There is a nice long flashback that explains the origins of Ator and all about his fight with the great spider god. In this film, we find Ator and a new teacher-slash-sidekick, Thong, living in the far-flung mythical territories at the ends of the Earth. Meanwhile, Ator's mentor, Akronos, and his daughter, Mila, live in fear of the evil warlord Zor. When Zor attacks Acronus' castle in search of the man's latest discovery, the geometric nucleus, a device so powerful it could be used to bring man out of its dark ages or as a terrible and all-powerful weapon, 
Mila goes in search of Ator to save her father and to keep the nucleus from falling into Zora's hands. She's wounded by Zora's soldiers, but manages, manages to find Ator and Thong's cave. After they heal her wounds, the three set off back to Acronis' castle, and along the way they face undead warriors, invisible cave demons, cannibals, and a giant snake-worshipping cult. A few things to note. The movies, this movie was made very quickly, and according to Diamato, this with almost no script, and it was done to fulfill a contract with Miles O'Keefe. Cave Dweller's opening credits include scenes from an unrelated film, Tar the Mighty. And Ator, at the climax of the film, uses a very modern hang glider. And modern cities and four-wheeling tracks can be seen in various scenes. And apparently a marauding soldier with sunglasses. Uh, the film stars, as I mentioned before, mentioned Miles O'Keefe as Ator. Lisa Foster is Mila. Charles Boromel as Akronos. Chen Wong as Thong, and David Brandon, credited as David Kane Houghton, as Zor. So this is probably the first time you've watched this on Rift, I'm sure. It definitely was. This is the first time I watched it unrift seriously. I think I've turned it on unrift, but then didn't really pay that much attention to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oddly enough, watching it unrift isn't all that different than watching it rift. Well, let, let's again, uh, if, if you hadn't listened the last time, this was Christopher's very first um, Mystery Science Theater. We, we recognized it was season three, but um, back in the day when we were in our youth and my parents had cable, um, <laughs> when I came across this show... Um, I said, oh, I got to show him this. And then the first time we got to sit down and watch one, it happened to be Cave Dwellers. Yep, yep. So nothing like coming out of the gate swinging. <laughs> but because this, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is a terrible movie. <laughs> but it is terrible in a way that is absolutely laughable. So. Right. Why you can't watch it? You, if you've seen it with Mystery Science Theater, you can't watch this unrift and still not hear the Mystery Science Theater because the movie is rife for picking on. Yeah, this is a film that you feel like. Well, let me put it this way watching this one, um, rift on the MST version for the first time in a while. I realized that this one was probably one of the earliest occurrences where I feel like they were truly making fun of the film rather than having fun with it. They were really pointing out a lot of errors and problems. And I mean, they were actively like going after the film and the filmmakers in this riff. And it was something that I found to happen more often in the latter seasons versus the earlier seasons. So it was a little surprising to see it happening this early. But you could argue that this film does kind of have it coming. <laughs> it, 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 it really, really does. And your synopsis and explaining 
the how, how it even got to be made that it's a it's a satisfaction of a contract it gets made really quick means there was no effort put into this um and if that's how you're going to make your film it's gonna have problems <laughs> well that's where i was wondering when it comes to the riffing that they just started really making fun of the movie is because they're simply out of just exasperation because th- that's exactly what it how it comes across it's like oh here's the villain oh they're invisible what you couldn't even hire a monster you couldn't get a monster in here of which there well there is at least the monster snake thing which was too funny because that thing just peeks out from beside the wall because i guess that's as much as they could afford to do right but um but no, uh, and yeah, while you and I don't like so much if you just beat up on the film just for the sake of beating up on the film, but even in, because this is season three and their approach to it is this is awful and they're beating up on the film because the film beat up on them. <laughs> and like it, it, it asked for far too much of the people watching it to just say don't look at that right um like like they pointed out because that this is the only film in the entire history i think of mystery science theater where uh, I, I mean if you didn't even like all of it watch the last few minutes of the of the show when Joel and the bots are doing a wrap-up because they're just mad that the Mads have sent them this thing. Because this is one of the few where they actually take it clip by clip to point out just the things that went wrong that you're just supposed to take. Like, somebody's been a four-wheeling. Right. (laughs) A while back, we covered the Beastmaster and Sonya. A red Sonya. Neither of which of those movies are good, quote-unquote, but they're still immensely enjoyable for what they are. Right. I mean, they're not that far removed as far as plot and setting from an Ator film, but there's a huge chasm of difference between those films and this one. This one, yeah, I mean, I could throw in Red Sonia and watch Red Sonia again and enjoy it again. This one, maybe I could do that, but, but for very different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, uh, let me shift gears for a moment. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to actually pull out an old mystery science theater trick that they used to do early on because Joel used to offer ram chips to the bots if they could say something nice about the movie that they watched. So I am actually going to take a moment to say some nice things about the movie. Um, Like, since you brought up Beastmaster and and, uh, we, we all made comment on Singer's physique in the film kudos to him and his trainer um miles o'keefe absolutely whoever was his trainer nice job <laughs> i mean that 
if you can get over the big band hair, <laughs> the part that makes it goofy, though, is, yes, he, he put on quite the physique for this role, but then we have to have a scene in the movie where he's tr- literally training and Thong has had somehow rigged up a... Uh, a pulley system for him to lift boulders and literally work out. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, because you know they do that sort of thing, man. That's enough for now, Thong. You know, that exercise works, you were right. I can feel it here. The muscles are stronger. Kudos for that, but... The, the one where I'm going to give them at least a little credit for the characters that they put in here is Zor. Mm. Now, Zor looks ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the long mustache and the clear bad wig, uh, terrible. But for a movie that, what what do you like to call them? The sword and loincloth or whatever? Sword and sorcery film, sword and sandal, yeah. Yeah, um, for that kind of film, usually your bad guy is just straight up bad guy. He's either trying to uh, appease a god or he's trying to rule over a territory or whatever. And in Zor's case, he's actually, he's after the thing because it can be used as a weapon, but he's after the knowledge, this guy's knowledge. And he's smart enough to not really do too much to Acronis because he values what Acronis has and is just trying to figure out in his own way how to weasel it out of Mm -hmm. him. So there's at least a little thought into what this guy's motivation is. So I'm going to give it at least a little credit for some of that. Now, as soon as you do that, um, after giving him that, then you have to deal with the whole let's go girls uh, kind of attitude as he's uh, um, strutting around. Well, and that is, I think, a problem. It's something I thought of um, just this time, just earlier today before we sat down to record. And it's something that happened a lot through the 80s and probably even going to the 90s is that there was many times in many films where the villain was made effeminate because that somehow makes him scarier or more evil or something. You know, it, it's a, I find it almost a little, little homophobic. Yeah. At least at the very, at the very least it's demeaning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, so that, that kind of bothered me a little bit that they, they, they played them that way. And I think they played it that way because they thought that make made it more icky. I, yeah, I, I suppose I could see that. Uh, and like I said, I'm trying to give credit where there is none to give. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also, you, you cast someone like Zor who looks like he's a guy that was probably, he's probably fit, but he's not Miles O'Keefe. And so when they go to the sword fight, I'm thinking, one swing and Miles is going to break this guy's arm (laughs) just from the sheer force. You can't put these two together and say, oh, they're an even match. (laughs) 
And, and you know, I was going to bring that up, and actually, this is kind of a general problem with any of that genre. The hero, Beastmaster, Ator, uh, Conan, the hero is the biggest, beefiest, buffest guy that you have ever laid eyes on. No one else in their, their worlds look like that. Right. Not even a little bit. Right. So in the end, it, it almost seems ridiculous that it comes down to a battle of strength that's going to win right. the day. Because it's kind of like, oh, well, it's the good guy. It's our hero because he's the biggest guy. Thinking back to, like, Conan uh, the Destroyer, uh, when we're talking about the, the, the physique that the hero got has at least in Conan the Destroyer Arnold Schwarzenegger went up against Wilt Chamberlain who is just this giant of a man so while he doesn't have the muscle tone that Schwarzenegger has at least he is huge by comparison he's at least so, an, an imposing force he is but when most of the films in the genre and at were being a good example um the bad guy just doesn't look like he could hang <laughs> in a physical fight. No, no. And of course he doesn't, but it's it's just all the uh, any suspense or or you know, agency in that fight is just lost immediately when you look at him like, well, he's a foot and a half taller. He's 100 pounds heavier. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Uh- Oh, and you, you, you have to really love, and it's totally the ploy of a guy that knows he has no leg to stand on in the fight, because Zor, at the one point... case five seconds after uh after ator puts down one of the swords zor's got two right of course <laughs> i actually thought miles o'keefe you talk about the, the his appearance i honestly think he pushes that line it crosses that line a little bit to being almost freakish whereas yes. mark singer and beastmaster i thought was just i mean that he was fit i mean he we both said superman crush on beastmaster mark singer oh. I thought he looked great. Miles O'Keefe, I thought, looked a little freakish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like it's it's that crazy line between being an imposing, physically fit guy and when you start getting into that weird bodybuilder look, like, I can grade cheese on your abs. Yes. And your muscles have muscles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, and it's just his physical body type because he, he's like crazy thin at the middle mm-hmm. and everything else just flares out <laughs> un- unrealistically from there. <laughs> I do think when it comes down to the MST, they do point out valid criticisms of the film 
and that is many of the acting of the pacing the lines of uh what did i say his name was boromel as a chronos yes and the way that he would talk through all his scenes well my dear chronos let me introduce you to sandor he represents how shall i put it the opposite of your pupil ator sandor has mastered everything that lies outside and beyond the forces of nature. He manipulates at will those forces which men believe uncontrollable, the occult. What do you say to that? Many years ago, I abjured the dogma and practice of rough magic for higher things. Of course, any man who seeks knowledge and is wise should be willing to learn. Who knows? I might even learn something. That's what I think that that's why I think they just truly just went at this film is because they were just as aggravated as anyone else would be trying to watch this thing. Well, and, and as much as there's lag in any conversation with a Kronos. Um, when he's having conversations with Zor and all that. But what was hysterical is when he launched into Ator's backstory, mm-hmm. that one went like, what? Did you just take speed? I mean, like, what the hell, man? They hit the one and a half times speed, like on my podcast app there. Yep, exactly. Uh, no, it was insane. So yeah, the pacing was all over the place. And they pick on it. I'm going to pick on it. The synthesizer music was going to drill a hole through my head. I heard one more time. I'm like, ah! <laughs> The fact that you have all your characters and your villains, they just raided some costume shop. Oh, yeah. And it just didn't matter from what part of the world that any of these costumes came from, what period. I kept waiting for, like, SS uniforms to show up or something. (laughs) What, you didn't care for Kabuki theater (laughs) at the one point? Just made absolutely no sense whatsoever well and while not making sense um and since we've already discussed a little bit that this thing has multiple names um cave dwellers well really well <laughs> a chronos and mila they're in a cave well they they, they are and, oh and so was that Ator and thong when... are in a cave they both live in caves I suppose, but whenever you uh, intercut anything to do with what were essentially your classic caveman, it didn't seem to fit. (laughs) I'm like, you could have probably said he used his uh, nucleus whatever to somehow bring multiple eras together in one point in time because it was a little all over the map. Uh, yeah. Well, and the movie tries to explain that in some fashion in the beginning. After the fiery, chaotic creation of the Earth, 
in the turbulent period of man's ascendancy, our world is populated by wild, cruel, and ignorant men. But there are still a few who seem to have been touched by some higher power, and whose intelligence and bravery set them apart from the savage hordes. I think that's what it was trying to do. This was really, this was a movie, they should have done something like, oh no, this isn't the past, this is the future. You know, after man's been wiped out, <laughs> and then like started over or something. It, you know, it would have made just as much sense. <laughs> actually, actually, I saw that movie, it was made with Chuck Wagner, um, but <laughs> of Auto Man fame. Oh. But at any rate... <laughs> That would have made more sense, in which case you could have easily forgiven some of that horrible continuity issues with the the the, the road tracks in the field, um, right. the the hang gliding over a modern city, um, and, and the fact that he's busy hang gliding into a medieval castle, which wouldn't have existed. Right, right, and the mismatch of uh, periods and and. Uh the costumes. I can't think of right. The, the regions. Yeah, the costumes. The the various cultures. Cultures. That thank you. That's to. the word I was grasping for, and it would just kept <laughs> slipping out of my fingers. <laughs> well, you know, m- much like the script did for these. <laughs> well, <guys. laughs> yeah. Well, and there you go, and made with almost no script, and that is so apparent in this film. I think that was like, and what happens next? We got the. I don't know. We got a bunch of guys that we could. I don't know dirty them up and call them cavemen cannibals yeah great let's have a let's have a fight with these guys well and that's all it was is you'd get a monologue um you would get a fight scene to bad synthesizer mu- music uh you'd get a new monologue and then you'd get another fight scene to bad synthesizer music uh you would get uh our warrior heroine who somehow survived the trip to find Ator and then was terrified of everything thereafter. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> she was really starting to bug me in the end. Um, eh. I got to talk about the snake pit. <laughs> <laughs> the roaring snakes. The First, the roaring snakes, yes. And the se- second, every time they dropped a woman down there, the woman did exactly the same thing every time, which was cower in the corner and then you would have thought, okay, our, our, our heroine, the one fighting alongside Ator, and I use fighting very loosely, because she fought her way there, but she stopped fighting immediately after she found Ator. Right. But, but you would have thought, okay, well, th- this woman is a woman of action. <laughs> and she cowered in the damn core. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. That's actually that scene... There's moments you see all the the sacrifices, the the female sacrifices come in, and you can see the looks on some of their faces, and yeah. they they just look like oh, they just can't be bothered. Yeah, whatever. I'm getting what? I'm getting fifty bucks. Fine, whatever. Throw me in the th- throw me in the pit. <laughs> and then, as far as story wise, I like the fact that our heroes, you know, Thong comes in and he's going to free our heroes, and he takes his damn time. So they're all watching like a half dozen women get thrown into sacrifice. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, now let's attack. <laughs> 
I this is our interested hero, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he isn't there for them. But <laughs> my buddy Ector, he's about to go in the pit. Right. I better do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one, this one is ridiculous. The the answer is: Can it be watched unrift? Yes, but why would you? <laughs> I I have to admit. Uh, struggling to stay awake while watching this trying to actually pay attention to it mm-hmm. because again I'm going to pick on that synthesizer music but they'd start doing it and it would just drone <laughs> on and <laughs> nothing happening even the even the fight scenes, I swear one of them, they they looked like they were bored fighting. Yeah. No, <laughs> although there was mo- many, many times where you could see someone set themselves up for the next hit. You know, yeah. their sword would go up into def- in a, in a defend mode while the other guy hadn't even got his sword out yet kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like... I'm just waiting for you to go clang. Yeah. <laughs> So I can go to position two. Clang. Yes, this was definitely and one and two and one and two. I feel us bringing this in for a landing, but before we do, you said there's four of these, right? Yes, there are. How did he survive the nuclear blast at the end of the film? What? I'm going to go with Mystery Science Theater... I'm uh, like, what the hell was that? What did that... Ha- That's cool looking, but what does it have to do with this film? That was the geometric nucleus being destroyed because it was too of dangerous course. for man. Man has to wait before they can wield such power. Of course, and I listened to that part too. How did he do it and where was he standing? Trebuchet. <laughs> The, if the guy can build a hang glider, he can build a trebuchet that would launch it far enough away that he'd be able to survive the blast. I think that's possibly one of the funniest things. I, I even have it. In, I picture him like pumpkin chunking. <laughs> See, I, I, I like your idea. I like that maybe this is post-apocalyptic. You could almost give a little room yeah, if yeah. that were honestly the case. <laughs> Watching the MST again, mm-hmm. I'll always have kind of like that, you know, that warm, fuzzy place for it because it was my first MST that I ever watched and everything. Right. But watching it now, it's like, it's not one of my favorites. No, really? Yeah. Um, it's fine. Uh, maybe because of, although this movie had it coming, I still think some of the jabs are a little cold-hearted. Um, mm-hmm. but the ones that are kind of like the, the, the riffs that I enjoy the most are still make me laugh. The one that gets me and actually makes me laugh out loud for this one is when a Kronos has got some paper, some map or something. He rolls up and he puts it in a tube and one of the guys down there just starts going like like it's like a suction like it's you know like yeah, a bank like a pneumatic <laughs> <It's> pneumatic <laughs> i actually sat there and started laughing out loud 
It's amazing which things uh, that they pick up on every now and then that just sneak up on you and you go, that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, that one, and it happens fairly early in the film. It's like within the first 10, 15 minutes of the film. And that makes me laugh out loud. And all the others are kind of like, meh, okay. I forever will enjoy Tom and Crow's rant at the, the very end. I mean, yeah. That will forever stick in my mind because they it never before had the bots been that mad right. at, at, at a film. Like, what have you done? I guess the other the other one that I think gives me a pretty good chuckle is when uh, Ator and Thong meet up against the uh, the invisible enemy in the cave, and then they take their capes and throw their capes over it, mm-hmm. and the, the, so it's just a guy under a cape. <laughs> And you hear Crow down there going, (laughs) (laughs) as the the guy's flailing his arms around or whatever. Like, oh, my God, they're scarier now. Like, oh, okay, that's pretty damn funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I I always get your point when they they beat up on the film. But uh, this one, this one really, really, really does have it coming. It just does. Uh, there's no other way around it. It screams. Can you, can you imagine? Uh, you you put it out there. Can you imagine having paid to sit in the theater? <laughs> yeah, thank God, I've never watched. <laughs> I've never actually paid money to see this film. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rift I mean, or not? I, I mean, I I can't contribute to the uh, propagation of this kind of thing. No. So next episode, we are going to go in back to our made-for-TV movie. Uh, this one is going to be a little different than any of the ones we've we've watched so far. We're going to take a look at The Night They Took Miss Beautiful from 1977. This is not a happy, feel-good movie, uh, but I think it's a great example of the made-for-TV melodrama that I think we all kind of associate with that... With made-for-TV With made-for-TV movies. movies. That... Really didn't think that one through when I started my sentence there. <laughs> and I, it includes some plot elements that I find a bit surprising for Pride Time viewing. So I think it'll be an interesting watch. I'm curious to see what you think of it. This one also has the um, what I consider kind of like the classic made-for-TV movie cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's just got a lot of lot of names that you know, or maybe names that your parents or grandparents might have known. <laughs> <laughs> so we will take a look at that one in a couple weeks. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Tom, thanks. <laughs> I really You're feel welcome. like I feel like I need to thank you for this one, for uh, for sitting through this one. Yeah, and uh, and as an early preview to those listening, um, when we re- return following this, we'll probably do my first ever uh, Mystery Science Theater. I will save the disclosure till the, the next episode. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's fun to visit the thing that got us into it in the first place. Yeah, well, absolutely. No, it's been a lot of fun watching them, period, and yeah, seeing where it all began, so... All right, that is going to do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you later. Until then, bye. See ya.